Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, I've been to Disney all week. Yes. And um, I um, have had this shirt for six months, but for some reason when I got back from Disney, I had confidence to wear this. I don't know whether that encouraged you to go to Disney or stay away from Disney. But uh, no, uh, I've been made fun of all morning about my pink shirt. And then one person said, you pull off pink really well. And she was just trying to be nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, we, had a great, we had a great time in, uh, in Disney. It's always great to get away. I think everyone needs to do that. I encourage you to do that with your family. Just get away. And um, uh, I just encourage you to do that. It's great. Wendy and I had some great time, just she and I, to talk and to hang out. And then we had a great time with, with Blake and, and Caleb here. Caleb was with us uh, yesterday. He went home and it was like, well, gosh, man, I almost feel like we need to, I don't know, Help pay for his college or something. He's been with us for like, you know, for a week. So, but uh, uh, I'm not doing that, Caleb. I'm not helping you, bro. <laughs> I hope none of his parents are listening online. But uh, it's, it, was a great, it was a great vacation. But I got to be honest with you, if I'm being completely honest, is I really missed hanging out here. Uh, we always take a couple of uh, Sundays off a year, and we did last Sunday. Uh, and that was for everybody to get refreshed and, and rejuvenated, and it was really good. I do want to tell you a couple things. Dan spent uh, Monday, it was Monday, right, up here doing all kinds of work up here on the stage. Um, one of the things that we already know that you may be thinking, oh, sometimes the sound is a little too loud and there's a lot of technical reasons for that, but we hopefully fix that. Uh, we're on the way to fixing it more. We're still working on that, but uh, we have uh, made some adjustments in that. I hope today was uh, better. We continue, we'll continue to do that, but I'm so thankful for our worship team who puts in a lot more time than you or I realize. Um, I know they practice Thursday night, right? They were up here Thursday night practicing as well during their spring break, and so uh, their kids' spring break. So that was really that was really awesome. We appreciate them uh, serving. So, as you know, we have ended the series called "Whatever It Takes," and uh, today I want to take about three weeks uh, since we are we have uh, today, and then next week is Palm Sunday, and then the following Sunday is Easter. I want to take about three weeks, and I want to look at I want to look at a few things that occurred. The week that Jesus was was to be killed, uh, there's some things that occurred the week before Christ died. And today's today's thing that we're going to look at is actually an interesting thing. It's an it's. Let me tell you why. And most of the time, if you want to get layers of Scripture, if you want to get layers of Scripture, you go to John. The Gospel of John is a layered is a layered. A thing. There's all kinds of symbolics and symbolism and meaning and all this kind of stuff. But today we're actually going to be in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, uh, starting in verse 6. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 6. But the question I have for you is this. Have you ever felt like that your effort is worthless? Anybody ever felt like your effort's worthless? Has anyone ever felt like that your effort is worthless? Maybe something that you've decided to do and you've made an effort and you've put that effort in and you've done your best and you've worked on it and worked on it, 
but somehow you feel like that it was kind of worthless to do that. Have you ever felt like that? Here's another thing. Have you ever felt like you give and give and give and it doesn't matter? You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you give and you give? Maybe it's to people. Maybe it's to a church. Maybe it's to an organization. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your whatever. You give. Maybe it's your emotional energy. You give and give and give. And you seem like in your brain, you think that it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. Okay? What about this? Have you ever felt like that no one appreciates it? Have you ever felt like that you give and no one appreciates what you're doing? Have you ever felt like there's a time in your life when you give and nothing is appreciated? As a matter of fact, no one even notices that you're doing it. No one notices that you're giving. No one notices that, that there's something. I want to tell you something. Today's story is for you, if that's, if that's you. Today's story is for you because, and there are so many layers to the story that probably half the message is going to be going through these layers. So it's in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 6. I have a feeling a lot of you guys know this passage. I have, I have a feeling we, you remember this because we always look at this around Easter, but I want to look at it again today. Starting in verse 6, it says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Okay, so let's break down the text. Here's what it's saying. The first thing you need to understand is why Jesus is at the house in Bethany. Okay, here's the situation. In the Gospels, and you may say, oh my gosh, that's so, I can see that now. Because in the last week of the Gospels, you see Jesus coming into the town and doing some kind of act or getting involved with the Pharisees. And then you see him no longer there. And you're wondering, like I am, where did he go? Where did Jesus go? That, where did he go? Like when they get mad at him and they want to kill him, why didn't they just take him? Where did he go? Well, let me tell you what's going on. Bethany is the town about two miles outside of, of Jerusalem. And what's happening here is, is that Jesus literally is staying at a house in Bethany. And he is going into Jerusalem. And then he's coming out to the house. He's coming into Jerusalem on a Monday and going out to the house. On Tuesday, going into Jerusalem and back out to the house, all right? It's kind of like your friends that they call and say, hey, listen, we're going to come to Atlanta. Can we stay with y'all? Now, the truth of the matter is, is most people in Tennessee say, where are you from? We had that a lot this week in, in, in Disney. Where are you guys from? Well, we're from, I don't want to say Sonoy, because everybody's like, so what? We're from South Atlanta. Oh, yeah, South Atlanta. And immediately they go, boy, I bet y'all hate the traffic. And I'm like, no, Elder's Mill's pretty nice. You know, just <laughs> there ain't a lot of traffic on Elder's Mill Road. You know, it's nice. 16 doesn't get too bad unless, you know, you, you go try to go through one of those stupid roundabouts that apparently no one can drive through. But no, the traffic is pretty good. Traffic's pretty good. But instead of explaining to them 
you know, where we live, ah, just South Atlanta. And so basically what you have going on here is, is you have, it's just like your family that comes in. They want to go into Atlanta, but they always retreat back to, to the quiet. Well, that's exactly what's going on here. So he is going in. He's probably staying at someone's house, Simon, who he healed of leprosy, by the way. He had healed him. The scripture says that he had previously had leprosy. And so we know that because we know it was previous because had he had leprosy, he would have been outcast because they can't be around people. And so that's the first thing that you need to know, that he is going in and he's coming out. Now, here's the second thing, and this is important. The second thing is this. Jesus' gospel, the, the, the gospel of Matthew, the main theme around the gospel of Matthew is, does anybody remember? I've told you this. Is what? Anybody know? Great, it's king. All right, you guys got it. Whoever didn't say it. No, it's king. All right, listen. It's, it's that G, he wants you to know that Jesus was king. How do we know that? Well, we know it because of the various stories that he highlights. He highlights various stories. The gospel writers, the gospels didn't just write a history. They highlighted different aspects of Jesus and who he was. And Matthew highlighted his being the king. We know that because the biggest thing that you read in the book of Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was where Jesus proclaimed how his gospel and how his life was going to be, what his kingdom was going to be like. And kings would do that whenever they would start, whenever they would start taking over, they would take over you know, the headship, they would proclaim, they would make proclamations of how it was going to be. Well, guess what's going on here? Matthew is showing Jesus as king by showing that he was being anointed by this lady. Because back then, to show, a, and they used to do this sometimes, they would put a little bit of perfume on people's head when they would come in because they'd be hot and sweaty. You know, they would be really hot. They would wash their feet, and we see that later on in the week. And then they would put little, just a little dab of perfume, you know, just to make, you know, you know how, like, sometimes in the afternoon at Disney, I'd say, hey, let's go back to the room and freshen up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because you kind of got kind of swampy. You know what I'm saying? Is everybody with me? Is everybody with me? I don't have to go any further, right? You got y'all's with me, right? Okay, good. So, you know, you know, your, your, your right guard took a left turn and, you know, it's really bad, right? And so, so but that's kind of what they do. They would freshen up. They would freshen up people. And so, so what we see here, though, is, is that with a king, they would anoint his head completely. And so what Matthew is showing here first is that Jesus is... King, uh, we have Psalms 133.2. Let's look at this. I think we have it up here. I hope we do. For, uh, for harmony is as precious as the anointing oil. And here it says it. That was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Now, who was Aaron? Because here's the second thing that he's showing. Who was Aaron? Aaron was the first high priest Aaron was, was Moses' brother, and he was the first high priest. And what they did to the first high priest is they anointed him to be the high priest. 
Once again, Matthew is showing not only is he king, but he's also the high priest. And so he is getting anointed, anointed. What I want you to see here is this, is Matthew is saying, not only is Jesus king, but he's also the high priest. He has a dual role going on here. There is a dual thing going on here. She is anointing him to be king. She is anointing him to be the high priest. Here's the next thing. There's an interesting thing that a lot of the gospel writers would do when they told a story. They would, they would do what was called the sandwiching technique, all right? A sandwich technique. Now, everyone knows on a sandwich for the most part, as a matter of fact, we had some great sandwiches this week. We really did. I mean, great sandwiches this week when we went down there. Disney was very proud of their sandwiches, so much so that they charged me around triple for each one, but they were really, really good. So when I get a sandwich, all right, I want you to know something. When I get a sandwich, I don't worry a lot about the bread. Now, I got to be real with you guys. Before I met my wife, I had never eaten anything but sunbeam white bread. Are you guys with me? We go to the grocery store the first time. Wendy commits heresy and says, we're going to get the wheat. And I'm like, but that's got a nut in it. (laughs) And everyone knows that bread is not supposed to have nuts in it. That's what the candy is, the the peanuts. That's what that's for. Why would you put a nut in bread? Well, guess what? I eat nutty bread now Uh, and don't eat white bread anymore. So how interesting how that works. But my whole thing was not the bread. I just, okay, fine, whatever. I'll just take the white bread. When I go to Subway, they're like, what kind of bread? I'm like, I don't care. You know, I'm like, okay, but I want the meat. The meat is what's in the middle, right? It's, it's the good stuff is in the middle. Because you can make all kinds of different sandwiches, but it's what's in the middle that's important. And that's exactly, that's exactly what is going on here. The reason why is this. If you look at the text again and you start with chapter 26, verse 1, you start seeing this. Jesus had finished saying all these disciples. He said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover begins in two days and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. And here it is. At the same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. So you've got one group of people that are plotting how to capture Jesus and kill him. And then the gospel writer switches. And he goes to this scene where Jesus is in the home of a leper who's a former leper, he's in the home, he's with his friends, and this lady that we think was probably Mary, there's other, you know, they always arguments about whether it was that Mary or not, but we think it was Mary, who took the oil and poured it over his head in symbolism that he was not only a king, but he was also high priest. And then, wham, it goes right back to something else. And what is that something else? Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And he gave him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, Jesus began, uh, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. It's right in the middle. It's sandwiched right dead in the middle. Now, let me tell you something interesting about this. Are you ready for this? The woman who had very little or no money They say that the oil that she poured on was probably a year's wages. 
The average year's wages at that time in our day today, the average family, the average wages would have been around $30,000, okay, in our money. All right, that's what it would have been, about $30,000. That's kind of the average for everyone back then. And so, so that was the average. But here's the crazy part. <clears throat> took the oil, the lady who had nothing, took the oil and poured it over the head. And it was, it, it was worth about 30000 30 pieces of silver in our money today, if you, if you bring it forward, about three grand. Think about that. Judas betrayed Jesus for about three grand. One-tenth of what it cost the lady to pour the oil over his head. One-tenth. Don't miss that. Don't miss the sandwiching of the people planning and then the, the Judas situation coming together. You know, there's also something else too. An argument, it says, broke out amongst the disciples. Now, a lot of people think this. A lot of people think that, that what happened in the room when you read the story is this. You think, well, Jesus was in the room. He was sitting there. She poured the whole oil over and all the disciples went, what are you doing, lady? You could have used that for the poor. Why did you do it like that for? Why, did you, why would you ever even think about doing that? That was so dumb. That's not ha- what happened at all. Do you know what happened? It happened somewhere over there. And the disciples, honestly, probably led by Judas, because he was the money guy. Remember, he was, Judas was the, the treasurer of the disciples, by the way. If you didn't know that, he was. He was the treasurer. Can you imagine they were over here on this side and they were like, what in the world? Do you see what, the, do you see what this lady's done? We've been dealing with all these poor people. Can you believe that? Can you believe? Can you believe that they did that? Can you believe that Jesus even let her do that? She just poured a year's wages over his head. That is ridiculous. Why? We could have sold that. We could have done all these things. And then we see because Jesus said this, but Jesus aware of this. That's how we know that they didn't say it out loud. He was aware of it. He was like, listen, I want you to understand something. And then he began to teach them. The disciples were all in a huff. But there's one more thing that I don't want you to miss. And it's this. And this is something that hit me right in the forehead. The oil that she used, most of the oil that they would use back then was a form of myrrh. Does that connect with anyone? We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar. Kings brought, one of the things they brought was a perfume named myrrh. He was given myrrh at his birth, and he would be given myrrh at his death because, as the scripture says, she was preparing him for burial because that was one of the things that they would use. That was one of the things that they would use to bury with the body, honestly, and not to be gross, so that the stench would not be so bad over a long period of time. He got myrrh at the beginning because of his greatness and he got myrrh at the end because of his greatness. And that's what's going on in this scenario. 
You've got all kinds of dynamics playing out in this house. You've got people that are ticked off because they, he, they won't let, you know, that they're mad at, because supposedly they're wasting money. And then apparently what happened was, was that Judas was already so ticked off, he, this would put this through him over the edge because he was all about the money. He was all about the money. And he left and went and found him and said, hey, how much you give me? How much? How much you give me if I betray him? How much? There's three questions that you should ask yourself when reading a text of the scripture that you can use this every day. And here it is. What does this say about God? What does this say about me? And what am I going to do with it? What does this say about God? What does this say about me? And what am I going to do with it? I want to tell you exactly what this scripture spoke to me, and I hope it speaks to you this. And the reason I asked you those questions earlier about giving and giving and doing and doing and all these things, I want to tell you something amazing. What Jesus said over 2,000 years ago is true because we stand here today and we talk about a sacrifice of a woman that was pretty much nameless. And we talk about her greatness. And we talk about her pouring the oil over the head. And what Jesus said was true. And I want you to know this. No offering, no offering that you've given is forgotten. I want you to hear that. No offering that you have given is forgotten. God never forgets an offering that we've made for him. He doesn't. I'm not talking about just financial offering. I'm talking about offering. You guys know what I'm talking about when I say offering. I'm talking about a sacrifice. I'm talking about a a giving up of yourself. I'm talking about when you want to do one thing, you decide to do the other thing because you know that it's the higher thing and God's ways are higher than our ways. That's what I'm talking about. No offering, no offering will ever be forgotten by God. He never doesn't see it. He always, and I want you to hear that, he always remembers that even when other people have forgotten, even when you feel like no one else sees, even when you think people are using you, even when you think people are using you, even when we think that all we do is sacrifice and sacrifice and the sacrifice isn't worth it, I want you to know something. He sees and he never forgets. Offering and sacrifice are very, very closely related. They're very closely related. They are very closely related. You know, I like to liken this to, to this. I don't know about you guys, but when, when my kids were growing up, I'll just tell you a story about my own dad. Um, my dad, I'll never forget, my dad, uh, one, one day I happened to stumble into their room and I saw his closet. And... My dad's closet, um, let's just say he had shirts that were uh, dated. I'll just put it that way. Um, My dad had a white pair of shoes that were no longer white. They were a grayish dirt. All right, that's the color. That's the color. But they started out white. And they weren't expensive shoes, are you with me? They were the dad shoes. You know what the dad shoes are? The white ones that are kind of, they're called, they're kind of pleather. 
It's like leather and plastic. They're kind of pleather. And they got the three white stripes going down the side. Are you with me? Are you with me? And dad always wore the higher socks, you know, the high. The, so, but literally, that's what my dad would wear. And he would wear those shoes over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm talking about for years, for years. And it was always amazing to me because I would always get a new pair of shoes about every six months. And I got Nikes. I got whatever. I mean, I got, I got nice shoes. When I was real little, when it didn't matter, you know, I used the Velcro ones. But after, when, I started, when, I, when you started to be able to tie my shoes, I wore good shoes. Are you with me? I wore nice clothes. No one ever made fun of my clothes. and whenever none of that. I never went without. And it's amazing because you don't think about those things. You don't think about the sacrifices that your parents made for you until when? Until you start, until you start realizing all that they gave up so that you could have better. That's what you realize. You realize it. And it's amazing because... As a parent, I want you to hear this, parents. As a parent, you are, you are making these sacrifices and you're looking for a return, not in a thank you, but in the behavior of your children and in the character of your kids. That's what you're looking for. A lot of it is the same way with God. I want you to know something. God sees, he sees your sacrifice. He does. He sees, he sees your offering. He does. Just like your kids are going to wake up and see, he sees that offering. What are some things that maybe we sacrifice? Maybe we sacrifice our social life. Maybe we sacrifice our social life um, because, you know, hey, there's just certain people we don't need to hang out with. Maybe, maybe for God, we sacrifice some friendships. It's like, hey, listen, I'm following this new path now, and Christ now is my boss. It's what, it's what the word Lord means. Christ is my boss, and I'm going to go that direction with him. I'm not going to stay. I can't keep doing this. So we sacrifice friendships. Maybe we sacrifice financially. You know, a lot of people can sacrifice financially. They're like, hey, listen, I I can't live this way anymore, living on the edge of everything. I've got to pull back and and develop some margin in my life. Maybe we sacrifice our own desires and our own wants because what we want doesn't line up with what the Word of God says. So we sacrifice that. We give that as an offering. Maybe those things. I want you to know something. When you do those things, God doesn't forget those. Those things aren't forgotten by God any more than the sacrifice of the woman when she poured the oil, the perfume over his head. Any more than that's, than that's, it's the same thing. When you, as a matter of fact, I want to tell you, when you make those sacrifices, what you're doing is, is you're saying, God, you are my king and you are my Lord. You are my king and you are my high priest. That's what you are. And I'm, I'm literally saying that to you right now, God, when I, because I, I don't want to make this sacrifice. What I want to do is, is I want to go what, do what I want to do. And I want to be in control of my own life. And I want to do, no, God, when, when I'm making this sacrifice, God, because I want to tell you that you are my king and you are my Lord. And in a sense, you're pouring that oil back on his head. You're identifying him as being more than what you are. And you're giving that over to him. Here's the second thing. No offering is wasted. It made absolutely no sense. It made no sense for this lady to pour this perfume and oil over his head. In the natural, to be honest with you, it was dumb. It was dumb. It was dumb to do. But let me say something to you. In the spiritual That's something totally different. 
You know, it makes no sense, you guys, and I've never understood this with God. It makes no sense. It makes no sense for people who go to a church to commit to living on 90% and giving the church 10. Do you know that? And we don't ever talk about money here, but I will say it makes no sense. But I can't explain it, man, but life is just better on the 90. It just is, man. I just, it's so much, it's just better. I don't get it. I don't get how God flips that whole equation. I have no idea. It makes no sense for you to decide that you're going to select new friends or you're going to get out of certain relationships because of, because of what God says. That makes no sense, man. The world doesn't do that. The world doesn't do that at all. But I want to tell you something. Not only are offerings not forgotten, they're never, ever, ever wasted. They're not wasted. Because let me tell you what happens. All of those times, I know for myself, I wasn't even saved. I was not even a Christian. But whenever I was in eighth grade, God took me out of the town I lived in in Tennessee and, put, and sit me right out in the middle of 10 miles out in the country in Ohio. And I was pretty ticked off about that because I had to leave all my friends. And some of those Ohio people were kind of strange. Have you ever met them? Anyway, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love them. But anyway... Uh, but listen, seriously, they set me right out in the middle, right out in the middle. And I didn't know why. I had no idea why. But I look back now, and even before I was saved, even before that hardship I had to go through, even before, God has used that. Can I say something really cool? I have a friend of mine who lives in Ohio that I was not even saved at the time. I didn't get saved until I was almost 19. Can I tell you something? This person knows I'm a pastor, and they call me for advice still. Like once every year or two, out of the blue, they'll call me for advice from Ohio. And I only lived there two and a half years, almost three years. So three long, long years. Anyway, but no, seriously, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy how God uses every little thing? Nothing is wasted. No offering is wasted. Nothing at all gets wasted. You know, Matthew 6 says this, verse 4. I hope we have this up here. I think I did. Matthew 6, 4 says, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. All right, I want you to hear this. Give, this is talking about about prayer and about giving. And it says, give your gifts in private and your father. And get this, who sees everything will reward you. I want you to hear that. There's no offering that's forgotten and there's no offering that is wasted. God's economy is totally different than ours. It's totally different than ours. And I want to tell you something, and I'm going to end with this. When you decide that you are going to turn from what you have been doing, and you're going to turn toward what God wants you to do, that perks his ears up and it gets his attention. And that decision, that decision is not going to be forgotten. And that decision, that decision is not going to be wasted. As a matter of fact, Matthew says that not only will it not be forgotten, not only will it not be wasted, but that you will get a reward. Which is why, and I'll close with this, the scripture says, do not grow tired of doing what is right. Do not grow tired of doing what is right. For when you continue to do so, eventually you will reap a reward. You will reap a reward. I understand that God's economy doesn't make sense to a lot of us. It doesn't make sense to me all the time either. But I can guarantee you something. God's word tells us 
that our, our, what we sacrifice, our offering, is not going to be forgotten and it's not going to be wasted. So I want you to be encouraged today. Be encouraged that what you're doing for God is seen by Him, even if it's not seen by everyone else. And you will look back and you will say, man, I can see where God was taking me and I can see where I'm going now. Thank you, Lord, for what you've, get, get, what you've brought me through. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for giving us 2020 vision, but oftentimes a lot later than what you had. <laughs> thank you so much that you want us to see what it is that you're doing, but in the middle of you doing it, you want us to trust you. And so, God, my prayer is, is that we would trust you enough. We would trust you enough and believe your word enough to follow even when we don't understand, to continue to do the good work that you've asked us to do even when we feel like no one cares, even when we feel like it's forgotten, even when some people around us are ticked off and saying, man, that was so dumb. Why would you do that for? That don't make any sense. God, your economy doesn't make sense. Us, you know, deciding on things that are really tough and going the way you go, God, those things oftentimes don't make sense. But God, I know, I know that your word does not come back void. And I know that in the end, we will reap a harvest if we continue to do what is right. Let us be people that identify to you, not only as king, but as our high priest and our Lord. And give you the reins, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and let's have our final song. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.